I'm Evan Smith. Welcome to the Texas Tribune's Trib Live podcast. This podcast series features discussions with some of the state's most influential elected officials and policymakers, all recorded in front of a live audience. The Tribune hosts more than 50 free Trib Live events each year around the state, plus our big annual Texas Tribune Festival in Austin. To learn more about our Trib Live events or the Texas Tribune, visit us at texastribune.org. The Texas Tribune's Trib Live event series is made possible through the generous support of AT&T, BP, Christus Health, and Raise Your Hand Texas. I actually want to start with you, Representative Phillips. Uh, you and the Senator have been part of a group of lawmakers focused on addressing what's become known as TxDOT's fiscal cliff. Uh, after 2015, funding is expected to severely drop. Uh, TxDOT says they need about $4 billion more a year just to maintain current congestion levels. You're in a house with 40 freshmen about, and I'm just wondering now, with two months left in the session, do you feel like the full body has an appreciation of TxDOT's financial situation? You know, I, don't, I think it's difficult for the new members to understand because uh, oftentimes when we run or come here new and we see all the amount of money in the budget, we say, surely there's money that we can go in and pick out and find and I hear that quite a bit. It's like, you know, we support more money for transportation because we know that's a role of government. And being a conservative, government should do a few things to do them well, and we think transportation is one of them. And so they see the amount of the budget, and they say, surely there's some money here and some money there that we can go to. And it takes a while for them to go through the budget to see that so much of the budget that we really can go after for transportation uh, is a very small pie, and once you start doing that, you start impacting other things, such as, such as, uh, uh, you know, things from prison to, you know, the the, the number of troopers we have on the street, border security, uh, many other things. So it, it's it. So no, I don't think that we're quite there yet. Mm -hmm. And and I quite honestly, I think it takes a session or so to even understand that. The, I mean, the 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 complexity of the budgeting process and how much that we have in our health and human services, Medicaid, that we really don't have a lot of control on, and then also with the education budget, which takes so much of, of and so what's left mm -hmm. is what we're, we're fighting for. And so I think that education process is still going on. On Senator Nichols, you had a bill with a hearing just this week yes. that uh, would dedicate sales tax revenue <coughs> from car sales to uh, transportation projects. Yes. Uh, you scaled back the bill. Yes. Uh, was it because of concerns that uh, some members don't have a full appreciation of the situation? One of the uh, the, the logic and, and, and Chairman Phillips filed this, we filed an identical bill mm -hmm. in the House and the Senate, and the bill that we had laid out there was to uh, dedicate the vehicle sales tax, mm -hmm. but phase it in over a period of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, the biggest argument against that was that it takes so much out of the general revenue, you know, eight, ten years out there, mm -hmm. that it would be difficult to do the, the budget. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I came back and did, I said, okay, let's do a baseline. This is what we did on the severance tax back in 1987, or the legislature did, was established a baseline. And so the year I picked, and the amount I picked was two and a half billion mm -hmm. as a baseline, which was the amount of money in 2010 that the vehicle sales tax brought in, two and a half. Mm -hmm. Now, last year it was 3.3 billion, so there's $800 million 
above the baseline in the last year. 800 million is kind of a magic number because that's a debt service on uh -huh. Proposition 12 and 14 combined. Uh -huh. And so uh, in that, you can also pay for 12. So we did pair it back, but with the estimate the comptroller's office had for vehicle sales tax for the next two years on so the budget we're working on is about 3.9 billion per year. Uh -huh. I think. Some of us who've looked at the numbers think it might end up closer to three and a half, but either way, that's still almost a billion dollars a year. So that's two billion dollars uh, that would go to transportation, which is uh, part of the, it doesn't get you all the way there, but it gets you part of the way there. Because what's happening is we're not even staying even. We're actually digging a hole. And if we, uh, if the legislature will agree to move the bill and uh, allow us to take that, then we at least are not digging a hole. We're staying even, uh -huh. maybe slowly moving up doesn't solve the whole problem. It's going to take a number. It's not one silver bullet that's not going to do it. It's going to take different pieces. So that is why I scaled the bill back, to try to get the bill moving. And do you feel like it's, it's, it is moving now? Do you, are you hopeful that it's? Well, you'll have to ask somebody else that. <laughs> I think there's, the members, I think, would like to vote for the bill. Uh, it would go to the voters. The voters, I believe, would approve uh, that in a heartbeat. It's probably uh, this area uh, of funding is probably the most talked about in the legislature. And, and, and I think that's right. And what, what he's talking about is we help others move it. We, we both chair transportation committees. We don't chair the budget committees. And so we have to be advocates for transportation and, and pushing and saying, what's a long-term source revenue? And I, and I applaud Senator Nichols. He went around the state talking about why exactly, and, and, and I, I think it'd be great to hear from him again, why exactly it makes sense to go this route. And, and I do think members like this idea. And uh, I think that with some of his changes, I think I'm hearing that maybe we can get some support from the budget writers, at least on the House side. Uh, we'll have to see. You know, if, I think it's going to be important for us to get the budget done today. And I think within the next week or so, uh, leadership in the Senate and House as it relates to transportation and finance working with the governor's office, come together. We have plenty of time this session to do something. Some people say, well, we're running out of time. We have such short time left. We've got an eternity, truthfully, in <laughs> legis legislative time. I believe we have plenty of time to accomplish something. We may not come out of this session with everything that, you know, the, the, the number that, that uh, we hear uh, Phil Wilson talk about with TxDOT, uh, the $4 billion extra a year we need. Uh, and I don't quarrel with that number, but if we can get somewhere, you know, meeting somewhere in there, that's what we need to be focused on. So I do think we have time, but I, I love to hear Senator Nichols talk about why it's important. Well, compared to the gas tax that we have currently, the problem with it being a declining revenue, and, and share, because he does such a good job explaining why this is the uh, automobile sales tax is a, uh, is a, is a, I think a good, a good, choice for us to say this is a way we're going to help fund transportation. I, I think what the chairman's referring to is if, if you start fresh and take a chalkboard and you begin laying out core principles, if, if you're going to create a funding source for transportation, what should it have in it to accomplish the long-term goal of funding transportation? And first on that list is it needs to be a predictable revenue source. So unless TxDOT can reasonably estimate seven, eight, 10, 12 years out of how much revenue they're gonna have, they can't begin 
uh, planning those projects. Uh, there's transportation planning involved. Predictability is real important. The, uh, you know, we have the environmental, the right-of-ways, the engineering, all that kind of thing. So it takes a while to move a transportation project. Second, if it's, if it's predictable, it must be constitutionally dedicated. Because if it's not constitutionally dedicated, when we hit those bad years like last session, those, those monies are going to disappear. It's got to be constitutionally dedicated. It needs to be transportation related. I think the public expects that. I think the members of the legislature expect that it should be transportation related. It needs to automatically adjust for inflation. And that's where we've kind of really missed it on some of the uh, revenue sources we have now. The fuel tax, 20 cents a gallon, you know, over 20 years ago. And uh, the gasoline's gone from a dollar to three and a half, three sixty, whatever, and it stayed 20 cents a gallon. So it needs to adjust for inflation. Same thing with vehicle registration fee. Uh, well, actually, I want to stop you there because uh, Senator Williams, who does oversee the budget in the Senate, has come out very strongly for vehicle registration fees, and he has—he's pretty much said he's not too crazy about your idea. And <laughs> he, he wants to—he he thinks uh, new revenue is needed. And uh, I think it's uh, every $10 you raise the registration fee, you'd, you'd net about $210 million. It, I'm just wondering, do you think that's, uh, you're not in favor of that approach? I, I didn't say that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of ideas. We need to nourish mm -hmm. all the ideas. But I think we need to uh, go back and test them uh, with the principles. Because the last principle I was going to say mm -hmm. has to do with, uh, it needs to be not dependent on the fuel source. Mm -hmm. In other words, gas tax doesn't work on electric cars. Mm -hmm. uh, gasoline or diesel tax doesn't work on, uh, we have a, a, our heavy truck fleet is gonna be slowly converting to natural gas. Mm -hmm. So it's a totally different type of funding. And so the cents per gallon doesn't work on natural gas. And so I, th I think if you're gonna really solve a long-term problem, <coughs> test it against all those five principles. Well, and so the registration fee, why? Does that not fit the I, I'm, I'm focused right now on, on, mm -hmm. on on, on, on the vehicle sales, sales tax, mm -hmm. and keep working with that, and that's the direction I'm heading. And, and so, what's where it goes? And, and I don't. Mind, I'll step into that the uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, you started the conversation asking about the the new members that mm -hmm. we have, and I think they're they're going to be very sensitive to any major increase because you know I think uh, we have a bill out there that would increase registration fee by thirty dollars. And uh, that would bring in about seven hundred million dollars a year, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. now, your your numbers were higher than that, I think. Well, that was about, about that. that about that. And so the question is: Are we going to be able to get the? Would we be able to get the votes to do that? Would we be able to get the support from the governor's office to do that? And those are those things that we have to to work through. But what I hear uh, from folks in this room, out of this room, that what, until we end diversions. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a conversation. And we always have this conversation about diversions. And at times I get frustrated about the conversation of diversions because we say, so what, you know, it's how you define a diversion. And we have a diversion, 20 cents of the gas, as he said, 20 cents of every gallon of gas you, you, you buy goes to, that's a state tax, 25% of that by the Constitution, constitutionally dedicated, goes to schools. So it leaves 15 cents, goes to fund six, is what we call the highway fund, is fund six. Uh, that, 15, that 15 cents goes there, uh, and then uh, what do we pay from that? The Constitution says that uh, we're to pay 
out of that, that gas tax, after we take the 25% off the top, we use it basically for construction and maintenance of roadways. And the other thing people forget is policing of roadways. And so when we talk about the diversions in this, this budget, there's going to be about uh, $1,048,000,000 as far as the budget that we're about to go talk about today mm -hmm. in the House chamber, that goes to DPS. So then you break back and you say, okay, DPS are using it for policing the roadways. And there's some amount of $300 million a year, or some amount of three hundred, probably about $300 million or so, that is going to border security, drug labs, and other things. Which I think that every legislator over there probably supports. And so, but those probably meet the definition of a, a diversion. Mm -hmm. So we need to, to work on that. But, but I talk about diversion, a, a question, and, and you may know this, but when you go pay your $24 every six years or so to get your driver's license, do you all think that money goes to DPS to pay for the clerk behind there? Nope. It goes to mobility fund. So it goes over to fund six and then goes out to make mobility fund payments. The mobility fund was set up constitutionally uh, to go out and to help us advance projects and we we that's part of the debt that we owe and that's what goes to pay that re that's a revenue stream to pay down the mobility bonds or mobility fund debt that we have when you go register your when you go get inspect your vehicle inspection fee somebody has to keep up with that dps is charged with responsibility for making sure that people's uh, uh, cars are inspected and that whole process. So when you pay that money, and I did that last week, uh, you pay that, where does that money go to? Does it go to DPS to make sure that it pays for those troopers that go out and audit those things to make sure we don't have fraudulent uh, uh, agency, I mean fraudulent folks out there giving fake, uh, uh, fake inspection fees? And we had a hearing this week, Senator, about fake inspection stickers, yeah. so it's kind of on the topic. That money goes to the mobility fund too. There's others money that goes to the mobility fund. So we've got to talk about this. It's more complicated when we talk about diversions. But we have to, I think, take uh, no money from fund six to go to DPS when we leave here if there's going to be any consideration of anything additional. Mm -hmm. And some of that conversation may be if we were going to try to find the will to put some additional money, say from a registration fee, if it's not dedicated to reducing that or going towards debt, it's going to be a non-starter. Uh, let me say, I think it's difficult for a new member, and we have an unusual number of new members this session, if, to come in, they look at the budget we currently have for and the funding for transportation, they look at the two-year budget we're voting on, and they look at how many dollars there are for transportation. Kind of hard to look at both of those and say, well, what's the problem? It appears to be a lot of funding. And if you go to the Metroplex, you see all the cranes and the construction going on. If you go to uh, any of these urban, any of the urban areas in the state, there's a lot of transportation construction going on. If you drive 35 between Dallas and Austin, you see construction. So they go, what's the problem? How can you tell me there's not money for construction, new projects, when I see all this? And it takes a while for them to understand that the traditional revenue sources that we have, fuel tax, both state and federal, vehicle registration fees, that's the primary traditional funding source, no longer even pays for the preservation of the system. Hard for people to understand that. Those lines cross, the preservation cost will always increase as the system gets older, 
every time you add new capacity, you've got to add more revenues for uh, preserving it. As there's more traffic, it needs more, more money for preservation. Those, that line keeps going up. The revenue source also keeps going up, which is, drives everybody nuts. But those two lines cross. And when they cross, you do not have money for new capacity and you cannot preserve the existing system. Those lines crossed 10 years ago. 10 years ago, about 2001, 2002. Those lines crossed and the legislature saw it. I've been coming to the legislature on this issue for 16 years. Uh, I worked five sessions before I was ever in the Senate uh, with TxDOT. And as we talk about that, those lines cross and so the members of finance and stuff saw that 10 years ago and began doing tools, tow roads, uh, the mobility fund, Chairman Phillips talked about, and then as those tools started kind of maxing out, other creative ideas of funding, but then they literally had to just start borrowing money to pay for expansions. And so we did Proposition 12, we did Proposition 14, we did uh, the Metroplex uh, hocked its tow road system to come up with another, another three billion dollars just to add additional capacity that was non-towed. And so when you add all those debts that have been created for the last 10 years, 23 billion dollars. That's not principal plus interest, that's just the principal. We've created 23 billion dollars worth of debt and now we've got to pay the piper. And so the new capacity that we see all over the state for the past 10 years in the current budget and the budget we're working on, the budget we're working on uses the very last of the borrowed money up. Uh -huh. And so that's when the cliff hits. Not this cycle, but the next cycle. Well, and I wonder if that might delay action this session. I've heard about next session. I've also heard the strange scenario of um, because one of the so-called diversions from the gas tax is money going to education, that perhaps and I've heard a few people mention this to me now, a special session is probably gonna happen on an education next year, perhaps trying to make it about education and roads and do it all at once. Well, um, you're the first person that's told me that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, it's fortunate that we, the cliff is a little bit further than we thought it would be. Uh, and a lot of that's just a matter of, it, it takes a while to get these projects lined up and out the door. Uh, we've got some amazing interest rates now, so some of the some of the projects have come in less in the cost of financing them and construction. Uh, the Texas has been where a lot of construction's been happening uh, compared to the rest of the nation. I mean, we've done a fantastic job with the dollars we've got. He talks about the Metroplex, and I have to applaud the local communities mm -hmm. and uh, the local leadership. They've stepped up in many ways. I mean, uh, yesterday uh, this. Tuesday, we had a, in the hearing, we had a county come in here and said, look, we've got this basically highway we built. Uh, we need authority to increase the speeds on that to a typical highway road because we don't have authority to do that. They stepped up and built some highways that traditionally may have been state highways because they knew they needed that added capacity and that was in Central Texas. Those communities that have done that, that have used the tools that we created, they're far ahead of the rest of uh, the, the rest of the areas that have chosen not to do that. And that's what's been exciting about what the last few sessions I've seen is to see the local communities come in and step says, we want to take the tools that you've given us and try to find a way to do it. They don't no longer, because many years they just sit there and said, here, we need this much money. And they sit around and they walked away with this much money. And now they're saying, look, if, if we can 
take some of that, this, some of the money, take some of our portion, and then go do this and do this. We can actually get some projects done. And it's been amazing what's happened. In North Texas and the Metroplex is a great example of taking you know three billion dollars and turning it into eleven to fifteen billion dollars worth of roads. Um, and uh, toll's been a mix of that, private-public partnerships. Uh, we're going to see uh, take uh, TRIZs or TRZs, Transportation Reinvestment Zones. We've got several bills this session. Uh, we're going to continue to do that. But I, I think it gets back to, unless we take care of diversions, these other issues are not going to be something that there's going to be an even consideration. We want to make mm -hmm. sure that that diversion's done. Uh, and, and I explained that some of these diversions are confusing, confusing to talk about, but I do think that the DPS diversion, which is primarily the bulk of what we're talking about, uh, is, it's called a diversion. It's not an, a constitutional diversion. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to, to address that. They also want to make sure that we're being smart with the money and, and that TxDOT's becoming more efficient. And so we have, over the last 10 years, uh, TxDOT under, has undergone an amazing and uh, an amazing uh, uh, evaluation. They've been audited. They've been sunsetted. They've been everything to go through that process. And I think there's a level, a better level of confidence that the money that we're going to spend uh, is going to be used more efficiently. And so those are things that I think have had to happen before we could start talking about these these other issues. Mm -hmm. I think uh, some of the other members, you know, if they see that we have funding in the current budget and the budget that we're working on, and there is for new capacity, they think, well, can we take care of it next session? And the answer is no, we can't. We need to take care of it this session. Because uh, you cannot just spend on a dime and do a transportation project. Uh, the environmental process, you have to first establish which projects are we going to build. And that takes up a, a lot of consensus. And then you have to do your environmental, which takes several years. Uh -huh. uh, we're getting faster, faster, and we've got a bill out there that will speed it up some more. And then you've got to do the engineering, and then then you got then you can issue the purchase order. So it takes a number of years, and a lot of people it takes a while for them to understand that. And so TxDOT needs to be working now on the projects that we need five and six years from now. But if it's not, if they cannot see that they have the funding they're fiscally restrained from bringing those new projects and doing the environmentals and beginning the right-of-ways and the engineering, stuff like that, to get those things ready. They can't really do that because they don't, can't see where the money's coming from. Well, and you know, you mentioned all the toll road work happening in uh, the Metroplex. I'm, it seems like a lot of the discussion has been about rainy day fund money, and part of that would go towards more toll roads probably, I'd imagine. Well, not. I mean, I guess the, the question of the rainy day fund, mm -hmm. if we were able to access the rainy day fund, which there's, there's going to be a question. Is the house going to be able to access the rainy day fund for water? Mm -hmm. Will they build it for transportation? Because I've got um, several colleagues over there that say, why don't we access it for education? You know, so we're going to have a real debate on the rainy day fund. We'll probably have some of that debate today uh, mm -hmm. on whether we're going to access rainy day for that. But what you're talking about is, I don't think you're going to see any, any suggestion that transportation dollars from the rainy day fund will be used uh, for any one-time projects. Because it's simply not, I mean, that's just, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. 
I think what you'll see is it put in an infrastructure bank, uh, modify the one we have, and it will be used to help those local communities, help on uh, projects to obtain, like it, we call it a bank. When you take money from a bank, what happens? You have to pay it back. And so those projects will go towards that. And, and maybe what you're, say, what you're saying, it may not directly, but it's going to help the local communities uh, and different projects either get cheaper financing, interim financing, there's different ways they could do that. It doesn't have to be a toll project. It, it could be uh, a, a, a TRZ is a good example. Uh, it could be a non-toll non uh, project that, let's say a county's gonna, a county or city may be using some mm -hmm. of their other bonding capacity uh, to, to, to build that transportation project and they need some uh, interim financing to help them through the environmental phase or whatever. Uh, it, it should be something that can help multiple places, but it's going to be money that will become a revolving account and essentially stay there for continued use. So it's really not one-time money because uh, most of us don't think that it's very smart to use rainy Day Funny on, a, on, on, on what I say, on, not one-time, but on ongoing uh, basis, mm -hmm. you know, to fund ongoing needs. Right. Yeah, there, I think there's a broad consensus in the um, uh, legislature. You do not want to use it for ongoing expenses. Mm -hmm. uh, one time, uh, very core functions of government uh, uh, might be considered. And, and uh, as he was talking about, in the infrastructure <laughs> bank, uh, you put it in there, it becomes an evergreen fund. Uh, that the state and the citizens of the state get to benefit from ongoing in long periods of time for transportation improvements uh, and stays there uh -huh. with interest and grows. And, and, and so that would be a very helpful thing, just like the water fund. Uh, these are core functions of government education, transportation, water. We all agree these are essential uh, needs of the uh, we need to all pull our resources to make happen. Well, and one thing I'm just wondering, and then we'll put it up to questions, is uh, given all the toll work happening around the state, and not just in cities, but near the border and in East Texas, uh, are, do you think that the state might be reaching kind of a, a maximum point or like toll road fatigue? You have some people out there who holler they don't like tow roads. My response to that is then don't drive them. You're not required to drive on a tow road. Uh, anybody that gets on a tow road is getting traffic off of a congested road, and they're paying. Uh, you hear the second argument, well, that's double taxation. Mm -hmm. You use our tax money to help build a tow road, and then you charge us a tow to drive on the tow road. That's double taxation, and I don't think that's right. And that is a core philosophical question. Should you use state money to help build a tow road? And so the legislature decided Ten years ago, in 2001, actually it's, little, it's 12 years ago now, to send it to the voters and let the voters answer that question. And the voters, 68% supported doing that because they want to get out of congestion and they want to go home. And uh, for all the people out there hollering, no more tow roads, uh, I've been watching a chart uh, and, and I've been watching it ever since we did the uh, interoperability of tow tags mm -hmm. in the state as there's more tow roads some people get tow tags and that chart has been going up at an expo almost exponential and we have almost six million vehicles in the state of Texas that have tow tags more than one out of three vehicles in on the Texas roads have tow tags somebody likes riding on tow roads in the state. <laughs> 
What about you, Representative? Do you feel that there's maybe a breaking point on toll roads, or? Well, you know, I think certainly there are. When, when you don't have free alternatives, you know, those will become issue. But uh, I think if people in North Texas, uh, in the Metroplex and in the Harris County area, uh, I think you've seen uh, a favorable reception because they, the citizens, know that they're not going to go anywhere unless we have that alternative. And uh, so it's an alternative that's used. And if you get on uh, North Texas Tollway, if I flew in today and got out and got on the road, it would be bumper to bumper. And so even that toll road, even this is, is, uh, is, is uh, crowded. It's amazing the cut time. I, I heard this, they said going from Arlington, going from, I think they said Plano to Arlington now, the drive is 20% reduced because of the toll roads have been built uh, and I mean 20 minutes so think about getting 20 minutes quicker so if you're the ballpark in, in Arlington you like that because if it's 20 20 minutes quicker to get from Plano all the way over to Arlington that's pretty exciting for the folks over there and, that, and it's just an example it speeds things up if you use the, if you go on the toll roads during the day uh, in the Metroplex you see people that are doing work on our homes, whether they're, you know, guys doing plumbing or whatever, because they get more jobs in. You know, you see that they're taking advantage of it. So it's becoming part of the fabric up there. Uh, I think we would all say our preference would be no tolls. But at this point, because of the funding issues, if we have no tolls, that means we have no, no new construction. And I, th I think it's, it's even our community here, uh, uh, we see an increase of the toll, toll roads here. Let's not talk about the one that's further e east on the town. Uh, it's not been quite the, the, the traffic count that was anticipated, but as that, as that continues to get connected south and north, I think you're gonna, and as the population grows, you're gonna see that, you know, everybody can say, well, we don't have enough cars out there now, and we missed it by the numbers, but, you know, think about it in 10 years as, the pop, as Austin continues to grow. Y'all aren't gonna stop growing, are you? I don't see it. I mean, you're going to be so thankful that it's there, you know, and it's going to have a big impact on the future. And that's what we're worried about is 20 years from now when the population doubles, are we going to just be sitting in traffic or are we going to actually be having a productive economy? I think it's also real important to understand that on toll roads, and a lot of people kind of forget this, the way the statutes currently are in, in Texas, the way we have the laws, that decision's made at a local level. That's right. That's right. Uh -huh. uh, that no one is going to go into an Austin or a San Antonio or a Houston or Dallas or something and tell them you have to have this tow road. The local community, through their metropolitan planning organization and their county officials and stuff, they make that decision locally. And they've got some tough choices. They only have a certain allocation for funding that's balanced through the state. And they have to look at that. They look at their congestion and their future growth needs. And then they locally decide we can build three projects as tow roads, or we can build this one as a tax road, but we have to wait 10 years to do that. Is that the best thing for the community? Because people are stuck in traffic and the congestion is getting worse. And so they have to wrestle with that as local people. And so it's a local decision. If they say, no, that cannot be a tow road, there's nobody in the state that can make them do it as a tow road. So it's a local decision. And uh, people closest to that, their communities know best, uh, better than we do. So that's the way we've set the whole thing up. And I echo that, and I think that's the most important aspect for citizens to know. It's not Texas saying, I mean, it's not the state of Texas saying you shall have 
It's y'all make that decision, and if your community chooses to take take the the your allocated portion and multiply it, that's a decision that you have. Well, I'm gonna open it up to some questions. Anyone? We answered all the questions. <laughs> oh, one right here. Oh yeah. Were y'all planning on talking about Rider 36 and uh, user fees for heavy trucks and overweight trucks? You want me to take a shot at it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Rider 36 was the uh, uh, University of Texas Transportation uh, did the study to try to, and it was a big issue, and I've heard it just about every session I've ever watched, uh, the damage to the road of overweight trucks. And so that study, and I read that study, it's pretty detailed, and so they get into, uh, uh, if you use a baseline of how much damage does a car do, how much does an 80,000 pound truck do, an 80,000 pound truck that's legal, you know, legal, has a legal right to run on our highways, uh, they established how much extra damage that was. So you got to, when you look at those numbers, understand that. And then once you get past legal limits, or what I call the legal limits, then you get into uh, what if it's 10,000 pounds over 20,000 pounds over and all that. And I think those are very important uh, uh, to get that information. And so one of the things, one of the bills I filed, uh, which as we got into those overweights, if you use 80,000 pounds and then the equivalent axles, I know this is kind of nerdy stuff for everybody doesn't like all He's this. He's an engineer. I'm an engineer. But when we got into the penalties, for instance, uh, we worked with several of the companies that do super overweight hauls. Uh, and so if you're running 100,000 pounds, 120,000 pounds, how much does TxDOT charge or Department of Motor Vehicles charge for that permit? And it's kind of, most people would be surprised. You might write a $5,000 check for that one-time haul. But as I went over and we looked at the penalties, because these people were telling us there's a lot of people out there that don't want to write the $5,000 check. And so they will take the chance of illegally hauling a 20,000 or 30,000 over pound overweight. Uh, and what's the penalty? $500. It's one-tenth of what the permit fee is. Well, I can do the quick math on that. If I got caught down the road, I'm ahead as a businessman. And so uh, we sat down with a lot of the affected industries, the, uh, the truck association, the truckers, uh, uh, the oil and gas industry, the aggregate people, so the people that traditionally haul a lot of extra weights and said, we've got a problem here. And they say, we know there's a problem there. <laughs> we need to dramatically increase the penalties for not just slightly over, but for these real people that are really beat gaming the system. And they said they will support that. And so uh, we're going to dramatically increase the penalty for those people who are purposely hauling large loads without getting permits. They know they're doing it. And so it's going to be dramatically up. And so I believe that uh, bill will come to my committee. I think, uh, let's see my staff next week. Yeah, next week. I'm getting the nod. So we'll have that in committee next week. We'll have the hearings on it and hopefully send it over uh, to Chairman Phillips. And we have a, a, one of our uh, members of the committee also has a bill. It's not, I'm not gonna say it's similar. There's some different ideas in there. Uh, I'm looking forward to his bill coming over and, and, we're, and he's working with the, the author of that bill uh, as well, or his office is. Uh, I agree, and we've heard testimony on this, that if we raise the penalty enough, we're gonna see more money coming in. Uh, uh, 
And, and I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a pretty significant increase from the dollars that are being paid right now. And that doesn't have anything to do with uh, any of the potential uh, bills out there that could reduce the reduce the uh, the fee that we charge for the overweight trucks. And so, you know, I think there's some of that discussion still going on, but you know, until we get a grasp on how many people aren't paying for the roads right now, and he's exactly right. We've heard it. You know, there are those out there that choose it. And what it does, it really puts a competitive disadvantage to the good guys who are actually getting the permit, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and so those scoff laws need to be uh, uh, held accountable. So, so we're going to go uh, try to fix the penalty part of it. That's going to have an impact. Uh, one of the things the study did not do, Rider 36, it, it just said arbitrarily, how much from an engineering standpoint is that damage? if you're running 80,000, 84,000, plus they got into the axles and stuff. And then, but it did not, so it was like, something like $5,000 per vehicle. And it did not get into the impact to our businesses in the state if we tried to hit them all for every truck that's running in there, you know, by $5,000. You shut a lot of industries down. So it'd have a dramatically negative impact on that, which should be, it's very difficult to do the engineering part and we have to consider some of these other things. So we're gonna do the penalties and see if we can make some adjustments to some of our overweight permits, then take it a step at a time and come back and adjust as, as we need to each session. I think we have another question over here. Good morning, Chairman. Uh, my question is, in Austin, as you well know, with the RMA and with the partnership with the department, we have uh, gotten Austin to move the needle on tolling. We may not be married, but at least we're dating. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, how do you assure communities like Austin that for those communities that have refused to toll that they won't be simply backfilled with Fund 6 money because of the political pressure coming from their delegation? Okay. I'd be happy to address that. The department and uh, dividing up those funds, the urban mobility funds, things like that, it's done on a formula basis. Uh, uh, proportional to population, vehicle miles traveled, those kind of things. Uh, way back there when we created those formulas, uh, we actually got the urban areas. First they decide how much of the budget goes to the urban areas. Once that's decided, it's a pretty hefty percentage, then those urban areas got together years ago because we said you could try to work out a formula or we'll let the legislature work out a formula. So they got to work it pretty quick. And uh, they established one they all agreed to, which really kind of, I was tickled. And so the department adopted that. So all those urban areas are, are proportional to some of those factors, and it's not an arbitrary decision. So you're allocated that for, the, say, the Austin area, and then the Metropolitan Planning Organization tries to figure out the best way to use those funds. And so whether you do the tow roads or you don't, uh, you don't get docked. And that's why it's best to, uh, I, I think, that's when you can get in trouble if you say, okay, we're going to do a big bond package and then divide up how that bond package goes and those kind of things. That's why if we continually get a funding mechanism such as uh, the vehicle sales tax dedication, uh, which we think is a very good idea if y'all haven't got that today. <laughs> uh, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of support for that over there in the Capitol. Uh, that, once those formulas are set, you don't have to worry about 
those kind of issues that, that, that creep back in trying to, to, to help help those areas because um, it's their local choice. Do we have time for one more question? Uh, well, let me add one more thing on that since I didn't see him. Oh, I, I see one coming over here. I'm sorry. Uh, Senator, I had a question uh, and representative. I think that, uh, as you all have mentioned, there's a lot of new members in the legislature this year, and, and some of them don't seem to quite understand that there's already restrictions in place on converting tax lanes to toll lanes. I want to be careful not to say free lanes because they're not free. There's yeah. no free ride. <laughs> so. Uh, and I know that Senator Campbell, for instance, has uh, proposed some legislation that would greatly restrict the ability to do any uh, toll or CDA-type projects. Where do you think that's going to go? Uh, uh, we heard several bills uh, similar to that in the committee the other day. Zafferini had one, Senator Campbell. And I think Senator Campbell's done a great job. It's a new, new member. Uh, she's in there working and, and, and learning. She really learns fast. She's a fast learner. And so she's in there asking those hard questions. And so the, the question in, in, in the brunt of the hearing was, is TxDOT doing things on ac the access lanes to disincentivize driving on the access lane to push people over on tow lane? I don't think they are. And, and so, but that's what the hearing and the concern was. And so there were various bills. Uh, uh, Senator Campbell had one, Senator Zaffarini had one. I've had one actually for the last three sessions. And uh, the Senate's voted out each time just to make sure that the non-towed lanes, you cannot stick a tow booth on it. And the second part of it is you don't want to purposely lower speed limits or stick a bunch of stoplights. And, and so the bill we passed out basically says that unless there's an engineering reason for doing it, that TxDOT will not use it as a disincentive to drive on that. Now, I think that's fair. As long as from an engineering and safety standpoint, uh, I think TxDOT's working real hard to make sure we've got full access and flow wherever we can. I've always felt that way. You said you passed the bills out of the Senate, so are they... Oh, I passed it out of the committee, excuse me. Oh, committee, okay. <laughs> that was last session? Yeah. Uh, the last several sessions. 07, 09, 011, uh, basically, uh, it was a pretty simple bill that uh, you, you cannot put tow boost on existing lanes. Mm -hmm. And when lane, you, you know, right-of-way is used, that you keep the... Uh, reasonable flow on the access and, things. And that's really what we're talking about is access. Uh, you know, currently uh, the law is to convert a road, the local county commissioners have to vote for that, and then the local people, the, the citizens get a vote at that. Uh, we've not seen any of those votes. We haven't seen those actions, and that was, that's, that's prior law. We, had a, we heard the same bill or similar bill in committee this week and uh, so what we're really talking about is these the access type things uh, and what we do with that and that's where the debate is about whether that's whether that you know how that's used or not used uh, I think the simplest explanation if you're a member talking to a constituent or if you're an informed person like most of y'all are talking to somebody who's got that question the simplest thing to tell them is that everything that you currently can drive on in the state of Texas without paying a toll, you'll be able to drive on that same road in the future without paying a toll. It's pretty simple. And, and that's, that's, what's, that's what it's going to be. I mean, I don't, that's the thing is that in, in, we can say it, and that's why we keep passing bills saying it, I guess. So people, understand, people understand that that's the way, that's what we're going to do. 
that people still worry about. And, and there's some areas where they've got signs up that say, when this project is built, it's going to be told. So there are some projects that are still out there that local communities said, when this project's going to be built. So the, the local people know about that. There aren't many of those left, but there's some of those that are still there. So, uh. Well, I want to thank both uh, Senator Nichols and Representative Phillips. Please thank join me in giving them a hand thank for your time. The Texas Tribune's Trib Live event series is made possible through the generous support of AT&T, BP, Christus Health, and Raise Your Hand Texas.